You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. Well, hello and welcome to the Grace Church Salado podcast. My name is David Laws, and I'm joined by Jason Goings, pastor of preaching and vision here at Grace. Jason, thanks for jumping in. Thanks, man. Good to be here. Good to have you. Uh, so we are continuing to go through our reading plan and pull apart a life verse to study. So let me start you with the hard-hitting questions today. Do you say Amos or Amos? Amos. Amos. I kind of like Amos. I say Amos, but uh, I kind of like Amos better. Did there, you like, there's a singer named Amos Lee. And there's a singer named Tori Amos. And there's a singer named Tori Amos? Could be. I don't know. We're going in a direction that's well there's out of our a, lane. There's a cookie, famous Amos. <laughs> famous Amos. Well, that settles the pronunciation debate, yeah. too. Before there was a cookie, there was a prophet. So the cookies decide the pronunciation. Is the, the, final the cookies are, are moist and soft, and Amos was from Tacoa, and he was rugged. And Man, we went down a direction yeah, I did not yeah. see us going here. I. <laughs> I'm going to get us back on track. Uh, If you're listening up to this point and wondering what on earth this podcast is about, uh, we really do this every week so that you would come away loving God's Word more and just having an idea how you can take these things that we're reading together and apply it to your daily life. Uh, So, like I was just mentioning, our life verse is from Amos chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, And it says this, For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Uh, so, Jason, we're looking at kind of a small prophetic text in Scripture. Uh, some people might not be as familiar with it, so why don't we just start off like we usually do and mm-hmm. just kind of making sense of what's going on in this passage, who's Amos, you know, what's going on here. Yeah, when you look at the minor prophets, it's important to understand the context of, like, who this who this person is and there's and with some of them like we don't really know much about them uh what we do know about amos is he was the breeder of sheep and he was from this area in this land uh called tokoa and it was a it was a rugged rough place the people there were rugged rough because of their 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 planting and their farming was on in tough uh, type of soil stuff. So I think so, most of our listeners can probably relate to that to a degree. Right like yeah. rugged, rough people and hard, <laughs> yeah. hard to. to uh, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe because it's just the lack of rain right now. But, but no, uh, the Amos and the the land that he came from is a different breed, and um, and so he's called to prophesy to the people of Israel, the northern king probably, and uh, mostly, and and during during the time that he was called to, to be God's voice, it was actually a time of prosperity, military success. There was much wealth, luxury that was flowing all over the place. And, of course, when you have that um, with uh, with any nation, but specifically we see it over and over again and uh, with Israel, is there, there grew idolatry and moral decline as the luxury grew moral decline grew and so I don't know which if is probably a talking point in and of itself yeah. but we yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, it was a self-indulgent culture when that happens the poor get exploited and that's what was happening and so God had indeed shown blessing to Israel and Israel and and it was a gift to Israel and so like many of us we take this gift from the giver and we run as far away from the giver 
as we can because, oh, we got the gift. That's what we think all we need. And so we get up to the life verse today and it's, it, you know, when you first hear this life verse, you first read it go, you're like, yeah, man, it's great. That's who God is. And, and we're going to talk about it a little bit in a minute, but that's not the context of what's happening here. Um, prosperity, um, because of God's blessings, uh, is now being corrupted by the rebellion of God's people. So God is not pleased, and he is coming now with a message through the messenger Amos. And so I would say one of the main texts in Amos that people know about is is actually in chapter 5, verse 24. Yeah, I, I know you had mentioned this one where it says, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And so mm-hmm. kind of like you were saying, like there's a, there's a judgment that's actually yeah. being woven in with this big picture of look who this big magnificent God is, right. but it's actually in the context of, of judgment coming. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, the explanation of what's happening in chapter four is God is listing all the ways that He's blessed. He's basically reminding, look what I've done for you, look what I've done for you, and and then what's important before we look at the life verse for today, there's first, which is verse thirteen of chapter four. We need to read what verse 12 says. And so read that real quick. Yeah, it says, Therefore, thus I will do this to you, O Israel. Because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Man, so Amos is coming in our life first, just by way of reminder, says, For behold, which means look. You need to look at this. You need to watch this. Okay, what are are we being told to look at? We need to look at the one who forms the mountains and creates the wind. So before we look at that, they are warned, prepare yourself to, to look at this. Prepare yourself. What you're about to see is going to shake you. And so that's the context leading up to our verse. It's it's not just a, a bumper sticker verse or a coffee mug verse, but this is a verse of warning. And I would say for our day today, this is a verse for warning in our culture and our, our climate of the Western church and how arrogant we sometimes are, how how just the, the, the fleeting thoughts about God are almost dismissive. Mm-hmm. And so we have this verse, I think, intentionally for us to to hold on to today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread it. For behold, he who forms the mountains, creates the wind, and declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. This is a reminder of who God is. And so that's what we unpack in the explanation really is. Yeah. And so let's go ahead and jump in there and kind of pull the magnifying glass out and just figure out what's happening here in verse Mm -hmm. 13, or what are some of the things that stand out to you really in this, in this particular verse? Well, uh, just real briefly, um, God is wanting to remind the people through Amos that he is the one who built, think about this. He built the mountains. He, he built what we do see we you know we see mountains we're like whoa that's awesome and the one who built what we do see but we cannot move no one can move them out like god built that and didn't and, just build it like he didn't even have to labor for it he just spoke it spoke like it. i mean just yeah. created it you know? yeah behold the one 
Like you're intimidated by the size of the mountain, the strength of a mountain, the longevity of a mountain. Behold the one who just spoke that into existence. And then right behind that is behold the one who orchestrates the wind. Like he, he, I always think of how God, when we see verses like this, creates the wind, like God's a conductor, like, Mm -hmm. okay, wind, go, you know, crescendo here. Okay. Die down here. It's like, he's moving the wind where, so the one who is orchestrating what we can't see the wind, but the very thing that still shakes us whenever the wind needs to shake us, God speaks it. So the mountain, the wind, we need to stop in our day, stop in our time. And just like Amos is warning Israel, just to constantly remember and behold the one who spoke the mountains, who speaks the wind. And, and that's, that's also the application. So the explanation in this text is also the application. Um, He gets into this, um, uh, you know, this next phrase, which sounds kind of in our, to our ear sounds kind of muddy, but he says, and he declares to man what his, what is his thought that to me, I, I, I believe this is, this is almost a taunt, like, like, okay, I've spoken the mountain, I speak the wind and you, you're thinking what, like, mm-hmm. like you, what is your greatest idea? Oh man. Like, what do you, what do you bring to the table? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the passage in Joe where he says, where were you when I created yeah, the foundations exactly. of the world? Like this kind of like, let's make sure everyone's in the right place here yeah, and recognizing right. who you are, who I yeah. am and making sure there's a right perspective there. I don't know, David, what your, uh, your greatest idea ever was, but I don't think it probably was to be able to construct something like a mountain at the same time, construct and create something like wind. Yeah. I mean, and so that's what God's doing here is, you know, whatever you think your greatest idea is, it's nothing compared to. Yeah. I was reading in second Corinthians five this morning and even where it was talking about how, um, if we lose this tent that we have on earth, there's this eternal dwelling place that we have with God. And it was what, what it made me think of was just how real, the reality is that we don't even see and touch and feel every day. That's a, yeah. that's that's a genuine reality. Like there's something that's more enduring and more real mm-hmm. than what we're feeling and going through on any yeah. daily basis. You know, and I was thinking, the God that orchestrates that whole that whole deeper reality that we don't even acknowledge most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's the God that we're that this is kind of calling yeah. us to have a right perspective of. Like mm-hmm. and just zooming out and like we don't have the capacity to zoom out far enough mm-hmm. to wrap our minds around who he is yeah. and, and what degree of sovereignty and orchestrating is mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes to make all mm-hmm. these things work yeah. according to a sovereign plan. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. It's just been one of those mornings it, where my head is spinning processing yeah, how and, big God and is. And it should, right? Like I think that's what this point, this message, the, the prophet is saying, like we so take God for granted. Like we don't even, we can't even fathom all the things that he has done and is doing right now just to sustain us and hold us. And we just move on through our day. Like, you know, doing our six tasks list today is the the greatest achievement in all. And we need to do tasks, right? Yeah. It's good stewardship. But, but um, you know, we need not do what Israel is doing at this time and take the gifts of God and run away from God. We need to take the gifts of God and be in awe of God and yeah. stay in awe of God and remain in awe of God. And and uh, this text is basically saying Yahweh is his name. He is the great and mighty Lord. So um, I I think this verse with verse 12 
um, is a message for all of us is that we need to um, we need to prepare ourselves to to behold God. So when, it, it, there takes some work, right? To behold, like to prepare yourself to see God. Like we need to do that more regularly. So so let me lean into that a little bit. You actually went exactly where I was about to mm-hmm. to kind of circle back to from something you had said earlier mm-hmm. about how both the explanation and the application of this are to behold our God. Mm-hmm. For the person listening, that's like I don't even know, I don't even know how to do that. Like I don't even know. I'm not there right now. I want to be there. For that person listening that's like, what's one or two things I can do to help myself behold God on a daily basis? Maybe could you give one or two suggestions, either something that you've done or something that you would encourage people to do in order to better behold God? Let's do it this way. Let's say, let's just lay three or four ideas and let's do it with here's what not to do and then answer it with here's what to do instead. For example, this came to mind when you were asking that. A way to not behold God for who he is is to put an image of God in a painting or in a picture and put that in your meditative time and think, okay, this is who Jesus is. And that's not how you do it. The reason is is because that limits the God who spoke mountains and spoke the wind to our idea of what Jesus should look like today. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We see pictures of Jesus up all over the place and and we try to, you know, I, I would say the first thing not to do is have a formulated image that somebody painted and make that your daily go-to, yeah. okay? Because people do that, relics or images. Mm-hmm. Instead, what is, what is one thing you could do? Instead, like if you want to capture a glimpse of what, God is. Well, it sounds unrelated at first, but like what comes to my mind is the necessity to stop and pause um, in order to behold. Like I, I'm just thinking like we just went up to Canada for for our 10 year anniversary. And there was this point where we were hiking up this really tall mountain and we were doing switchbacks. And so we're waiting. Okay, when we get to the top, when we get to the top, we're going to have this view. Well, at one point, without my knowledge, I walked, I, I'm just walking along and Kelly's like, whoa, back up a second. And there was this gap in the tree line where if you turned, you saw this incredible view of everything. I mean, just the lakes and the mountains and the trees and just all, I mean, just one of the most beautiful spots in the world. And I'm thinking if you don't have that moment of pausing and stopping and reflecting, you're never going to really be able to appreciate and behold who God is. Like if there's never even, if you're just blasting through your day, blasting through your day, I I catch myself doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm just getting caught up with what I'm doing. There is no awe or reverence or marveling yeah. at God. And there's no, certainly no beholding, which is a much more active uh, right. word than just seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that comes to my mind is like, well, you've, you've got to pause. Like, you, you mm-hmm. have got to carve out time that is dedicated to just marveling at God, learning about Him, spending time mm-hmm. with Him, being still before Him. So it sounds a little unrelated at first, but yeah. that, that's actually the... Yeah, I think, um, and let's, you know... Um, as I think about that, when most people want to behold God, that we don't have a we don't have a view of of you know Canada, you know Canada, a, a portrait. So what do we replace that with? Like when you mm. say, okay, I want to stop and behold. What I was saying with the painting is okay. Don't go look at a painting. Instead, what is the vista that God is presenting to us mm. to stop? So I think it is that what you just said. Let's stop and behold. Behold what. I think it begins with real, true 
like the word of God. Yeah. Like, 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 like this life verse. Like, mm-hmm. stop and imagine. Don't move on to chapter uh, five yet. Stop and evaluate. What does it mean that God spoke mm-hmm. this? Going to your point, let's not try to get to the peak. Let's just on the hike, on the day, when you have this thought of God, stop and just meditate on that. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Like, picture it in your mind and and behold God in that way. And, and as long as it comes from the Word. The other thing we don't want to do with this is um, call out certain devotionals, whatever, but whenever there's devotionals that say they're speaking for God and that it's not the Word of God... Um, that didn't help us behold God. Yeah. To me, a lot of those devotionals are like the painting on the wall. Like, here's what I think God should look like. So I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you to think that way. And I would say, stick to Scripture, stick to prayer life, and behold God in those ways, um, because that's what He wants. He wants you coming back to Him again yeah. and again and again. So. Yeah, it does have to be anchored in that in that truth because. Mm-hmm. You can't behold something that you you don't really see, and the only yeah. way for us to really get a clear picture of who God is is from mm-hmm. His Word. I mean, yeah. that's that's where we get this visual of okay, this is who God is. This is who I am, and mm-hmm. and that causes us, or at least gives us the opportunity to see right. Him for who He is, and then marvel and worship and yeah. uh, and, and be in awe. And we're told when Jesus came that He is the exact representation. Right. He is the image of God. Like like no one has ever seen God, but. You've seen Jesus, and mm-hmm. so that's why people have these paintings of Jesus because they think, or they they have these books that are supposedly quote unquote from Jesus. Yeah. Well, there's enough in Scripture where we can meditate on Jesus Christ, our Savior, who, like, look at His character, look at His strength, yeah. look at His demeanor, look at His love, look at His power, look at His warnings, look at His commands. Yeah. If you ever want to know what God wants? Look at Jesus. Yeah. If you want so. a painting of Jesus, look at. Colossians 1, look at Hebrews yeah. 1, look at John 1, look at, mm-hmm. like those will yeah. give you a painting of who Jesus is, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a visual yeah. thing, but that'll let you know who he truly is. Yeah. And, I, and I just got a book uh, today, or I got it yesterday and opened it back up today, and, and John Piper wrote a book that was, I think, 2006, What Jesus Demands from the World, and they updated it, and it's, um, and the new edition is What Jesus Commands. Hmm. We don't, if you want to know who God is... There's a lot of there's a lot of just commands from Jesus yeah. that we shouldn't run from. Yeah. Just because we see him as our savior, as loving, as access to the Father, he also demands and commands things. So yeah. we want to know God, we want to look into him and think about him rightly. We can look to Jesus and see that. So. Yeah, yeah. I think we covered a lot of ground today, and so I uh, want to thank you for hanging in there and uh, listening to the Grace Slater podcast this week. Uh, We hope this discussion spurs you on in your love for Jesus and your love for people. We'll see you next Wednesday as we look at Psalm 61, verses 1 and 3.